Welcome to the Man Up God's Way podcast, a show that dives into the real, raw, and relevant issues for men in their faith, life, and community. Now, your host, Jody Birkin. guys here we are on a monday night my name is jody burkeen i am the founder of man up god's way and your host tonight on the man up monday podcast we want to welcome you to uh to this episode really excited about our guest tonight we'll uh, get to him in just a minute but if you get an opportunity would you share this on all your social media feeds uh just hit that like button and share button and you can send that to all your friends we need as many people as we can possibly watching this men share this with your small groups uh, your men's groups and uh, just get the word out about our podcast we're really excited about it this is episode number 35 and uh, it's been going really well this year had some great guests and got another good one here tonight and so i'm uh in the uh, studios tonight i got my host with me my co-host mr ben neely how you doing buddy good to be back you good i'm glad you are back it's uh been a while yeah a little bit of work travel we took a couple of weeks off yeah, act like you got to make some money. Yeah, unfortunately, yeah, I'm a working man, so <laughs> this isn't paying me anything. That's good. So you went to Texas, didn't you? Waco, yeah, Waco. yeah. Going to Orlando next week, so remember, I won't be here. Okay, and that should be my travel for the year. Oh, okay, good. Yeah, good. Yeah, you're a traveling man, dude. I'm glad. Uh, glad you're back and all safe and sound. Family doing good. Yeah, family's doing well. Everything's good. Grandkids awesome. are wild. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. Life's good. No complaints. Yeah, the picture you said uh, sent above a uh, oh my gosh, that's hilarious. Yeah, I sent you my picture of my four-year-old grandson working on his uh battery operated tractor in my side yard in his underwear. Luckily, we've got a <laughs> six-foot privacy fence. <laughs> Nobody saw him. He's in like a 15-minute span. He worked on his tractor in his underwear. He swam in the pool in his underwear and he played in the sandbox in his underwear. Oh, that's hilarious. It's ridiculous. That's great. Oh, so to be that young again. Yeah, I know. You know, and it looked that good in underwear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's why my light stays off right. in the mirror yeah. or in the bathroom when I get up in the morning. So you uh how much weight have you lost so far? I'm I'm holding steady. I'm holding? holding steady right around two ten, yeah, two eleven. That traveling's not doing you any no, good. No, I ate terrible. <laughs> I thought I gained three pounds last week just the way you eat when you travel. So yeah. It's but almost, I'm back at it. We just we just joined a gym. Yeah. So me and Stacy are going to start going to the gym together, and couldn't tonight because of the podcast. But yeah, good for you, dude. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Yeah, I'm uh I'm pretty plateaued as well, so I haven't lost any weight. Yeah. I'm uh I'm, I'm giving up. I think so. Just hoping something happens between now and Christmas or yeah. Thanksgiving. Gosh, I'd like to lose ten pounds just before Thanksgiving right. gets here. Yeah. Yuck. Well, guys, uh, the way that we pay for our pa uh, podcast is through our Man Up merch. Uh, that is manupmerch.com. You can get all the cool T-shirts. I've got one here. You saw Ben's right there, that little Man Up God's Way shirt. We also have our coffee, uh, which is an amazing blend. It's a really dark, smooth blend. It's one of my favorites. We've got our coffee mugs, which is right here. Got it full of water right at the moment. It's too late to drink coffee for me. Uh, and then we got our coffee mugs. This is one of my favorite coffee mugs. It's good size. Um, it holds a lot of coffee, about a cup and a half of coffee. 
it's perfect for you to start off in the morning and we also have our books which i can't reach i'll reach real quick uh man up god's way or man up becoming a godly man in an ungodly world this was the first book i wrote it's still on the amazon bestseller list uh, i wrote it 10 going on 11 years now it will be 11 in january yeah. and uh, god has really blessed us with that and we'd love for you guys to get it. You can get it on Amazon. Um, I think it's only uh, $14 or 10. It's either $10 or $14. I can't remember. Uh, but it's cheap. Uh, get it. It's a great read. It's an easy read. I call it a two-seater. If you put it on the back of the toilet, you'll be done in a couple of seats. Uh, but I think it will change your life. So really excited about uh, tonight's guest. Um, we, uh, we're blessed to have on with us tonight, uh, Stephen Arms. Stephen, how you doing, brother? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, Jody and Ben. Awesome. Well, we're we're glad you're here. Let me get you on. There we go. Um, get you on there. Good. We can. Uh, you're all the way in Portland, Oregon, correct? That's right. Yeah, we live uh, just outside of Portland in a suburb called Tigard. Okay. Yep. So, so how's it been uh, in Portland? Are you guys still in lockdown, or you know, um, short answer is no. It's uh, it's pretty open here. COVID, for the most part, is is over. Um, you go downtown, you go into any like uh, medical building, and they still make you wear a mask. Mm. Um, and yeah, you go downtown, and there's lots of people wearing masks. So it's it's still here, but at least they're not jamming it down your throat anymore. Right. Uh, Biden just today said that uh, the pandemic is over. So. Yeah, it's the same here medical medical when i go to the doctor they're still making oh do they masks. yeah i've been to the doctor forever yeah i did go to urgent care not too long ago but i didn't wear a mask in there yeah we didn't they do at my doctor's mm. office okay yeah we're in the midwest in st louis and things were kind of um loosey-goosey after about the first six months after six months it kind of we kind of went all cowboy on them and <laughs> they, they couldn't control us anymore so um, but, uh, I, I know you guys, you went through some crazy stuff during the pandemic and, um, just having, you know, being up in, in Oregon and that, that Northwest corner, there's a very liberal and, um, godless society. Unfortunately, I'm glad you're there trying to, to spread the good news. Well, thank you. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, I saw something similar in Idaho, you know, Idaho is just one state to the right and it's a red state. And. It was amazing in the two years that the pandemic was going on. I mean, people were just flocking over there. And I heard stories of people that lived in Spokane, which is in Washington. They would go over and drive to Coeur d'Alene, which is just 30 minutes to the east, to have dinner because they could have dinner at a restaurant without wearing a mask. Right. So, yeah, it's uh, it's been an interesting experience. I'm glad that it feels like we're finally on the tail end of it. Good. It's crazy all the people that have been uh, moving from uh, California, California to Texas. Texas. Yeah. yeah, that might turn into a blue I know. state. <laughs> I know. I oh my gosh! I yeah. hope not. I hope not. Maybe they'll change them over there. Right. Yeah. It's uh, it's it's been uh, been crazy. I'm glad glad you survived and glad you're doing well. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, uh, you, you're married. You just said a while ago that your wife is a saint and she's the greatest person that you've ever met in your life <laughs> no that's <laughs> true give, trying to give I, you some uh, brownie points there yeah my wife is uh putting the kids down to bed right now so i wouldn't be her if tonight speaking with you guys if it wasn't for her so 
she's the real hero tonight. Awesome. Um, so about myself, I was uh, born and raised actually in California, spent my first 25 years of my life there, went to college there, started my career there, uh, never expected to move. And then I met my beautiful wife and she turned my world upside down. So I followed her up to wonderful Portland, Oregon. Um, then we got married uh, shortly thereafter. We got married in 2018. Um, nine months later, welcomed our first kid into the world, our daughter, Claire, she's three years old now. And then, uh, we also have a son, Joe, who's one year old now. Oh, awesome. Congratulations on that. So only, uh, five years married, uh, four years married, I should say going on five years. Congratulations. I got 32, uh, just had 32 years. So <clears throat> hopefully, uh, we'll, we'll pray for you to get that far to how many you got now? Six. Seven? Six years. Six years. Yep. So um well, congratulations on that. So so tell us about your your life. I mean, you know, growing up in California. So you said you grew up in California. Um, you know, tell us a little bit about your family life. Sure. Um, so I am one of four boys. So I have three brothers. Um, as you can imagine, the uh environment that I grew up in was a lot of sports a lot of eating, a lot of testosterone. Um, it was a ton of fun. I, uh, I love my brothers a lot. I'm really close with my older brother. We're only 17 months apart. So uh, we went to high school together, shared a lot of friends together and, you know, just had a, an amazing childhood. Um, my parents have a very strong faith and they have a beautiful marriage. They're like you, Jody. I think They've been married for 33 years now, I want to say. Oh, wow. Um, and they're still, you know, in love with one another. And they've just been an amazing example of what a godly marriage can look like. Uh, especially, you know, living on the West Coast, which, like you said, is a pretty liberal place. You know, you don't see lifelong marriages like that all the time. So having them as examples has been huge in my life. I'm really blessed to have my mom and dad. Uh, I'm grateful for, for God for giving me them. That's awesome. Well, congratulations. That's a great to have great role models like that. You know, one of the things I have, um, three brothers and a sister and, you know, we grew up in a divorced family and between my family and my wife's family, there are between my parents and my wife's parents, there's 12 marriages. So she and I both understand what divorce. Yeah, exactly. That makes your eyes go, Whoa, what do you literally 12? I think, my dad had three, my mom had two, uh, Nan's dad had four or five, and then her mom had four. Like it was just, we had that many marriages in between there. And when we got married, I remember, you know, us and not only between me and my wife, but my brothers and sisters all made this commitment to each other that, you know, we would do whatever it took not to get a divorce. And, uh, so far all of my siblings are married and still married after, I think uh, the youngest the, the the youngest one is um, uh, fifteen or sixteen years married. So uh, you just got to put you got to put in the work and put in the commitment uh, that you're going to make it work. And it's it's not always easy. And uh, I, you you've got to you got to continue to pray, continue to talk, and uh, uh, continue to to concede on a lot of things. So that's what marriage is all about. So well. Congratulations. So you got four, you got three brothers or four brothers, you said? 
Three brothers. Three brothers. Okay. Yep. All right. Where are you in that line? I'm number two. So second okay. oldest. Um, my older brother is just about to get married here in a couple of weeks. Uh, so thinking about what I'm going to say for his, for my best man speech at his wedding, <clears throat> you know, awesome. it's like, do I go, do I do it sweet or do I do it sour? You know? Like, <laughs> yeah. Those, those are always, uh, always hard to do. I was, I tried to be, I tried to be sweet at my brothers as much as possible. I definitely was my sisters, you know, that was, she was our baby. Uh, she was the baby sister. So we, we were really sweet with her, but, uh, yeah, sometimes you want to, you want to pick on them, but it, it might be, might be good for you to, to go out in glory as, uh, as a sweet guy. Yeah. You're probably right about that. I'll take your advice. Well, good. And so, um, when did you leave California? I left California in 2016. Uh, right. I met my wife. We met online, actually. So we, when we first started dating, we were dating long distance for the first maybe nine months. And we pretty quickly realized, like, this is a woman that I could marry. You know, she has really good values. She's beautiful. She's smart. She's fun to spend time with. So even at, even dating long distance, I knew like, there's a pretty good chance that I'm going to marry this woman, but you know, I didn't want to act too rashly. So I was like, well, if I'm going to do this. I, I need to like move up there and date her near distance, right? Whatever the opposite of long distance is, we needed to do that first. So, um, it felt like, you know, as the man, I felt that God was calling me to go up and pursue her. You know, I felt mm -hmm. that it was my job to be the initiator, you know, the one that was going to be the pursuer. So uh, that's kind of one reason why I decided to make the jump and um, move to Oregon. Okay. Awesome. And, so you moved to Oregon without being married. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I got an apartment just by myself. You know, we weren't going to move in together. That was not on the table. Um, she was living with her sister at the time and uh, moved up here and the uh, the risk paid off you know she was the woman that i thought she was and um just an amazing person and so uh after being up here for maybe 6 months uh, i popped the question she said yes and then the rest is history oh that's great that is great so that was uh that was 4 years ago and so you guys didn't waste any time to have kids no not at all i mean we uh we both want a big family and, you know, we got married when we were 27. So, so we weren't spring chickens, you know, right. it's like, if you want a big family, you got to get going. You know? <laughs> yeah. Can't, can't wait. My wife and I were married, um, 12 years before we had kids. Uh -huh. Um, but we were, yeah, I was 30, I think I was 32 when I had my, my first one. And, um, I had, one back there, one, and then 18 months later, had another one. And then it was uh, 12 years later, we had twins. So we, I'm going to be a dad. I'm going to have kids in my house till I'm 65 years old, I think. So wow, it's worth it, though. They're, they're a blessing, man. Um, I hope you have a house full. I couldn't imagine doing it any other way. It's amazing. Well, congratulations. So you and your, your dad wrote a book. Is that correct? Yep, that's right. Okay. So why don't you tell us a little bit about, you know, how the book, uh, and the book is called, um, uh, milestones to manhood. 
a Christian rite of passage to help your 13-year-old son make the leap from boyhood to manhood. So, so start off telling us your little journey, your journey to, to understanding who Christ is and, and how he became a part of your life and, um, and what that looked like, you know, from your, from your dad and, you know, just to, to where you are today. Sure. Um, you know, I think there were some pivotal moments in my journey. Uh, so I'll talk about the highlights. Um, full disclosure, you know, I come from the Catholic Christian tradition. So my story might not be what you guys are totally used to, but I think that there's a lot in common, you know, um, and I definitely think that we're brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, so I'll say that, you know, I think my faith journey started when I was baptized and, um, you know, I was baptized as an infant. It was something that my parents made a decision for me at that point, but I also see it as a great gift that they gave me that gift of faith, you know, and they raised me in a Christian household. Uh, I'm so grateful for them for doing that. So, you know, like we talked about earlier, I just, my parents um, gave me an amazing childhood. And one really special thing that they did, that my dad did, was on my 13th birthday, he gave me something called a rite of passage. So it was a weekend that involved my dad, but also my older brother. I'm sorry, not my older brother. He should have gone on the trip, but he was homesick that weekend. Um, the weekend involved my dad, my grandfather, and two of my uncles. And it was basically a weekend where they told me that in, in their eyes, they no longer saw me as a boy, but I was considered to be a man in the family. Hmm. So that's what the purpose of the weekend was. It was for me to have a clear indication that you, your manhood has officially begun right. and all the men in your life surround you and tell you that. Um, and that's what the book is about. The book is about Christian rite of passage. We talk about our family story and how the rite of passage tradition got started um, we talk about what exactly the weekend looks like and the different activities that we participate in. But then we also have a how-to guide. The whole second part of the book is right. an instruction manual for fathers who want to organize a rite of passage for their own son. Um, one of the reasons that we wrote the book is because all the, the grandkids in the family, my brothers, my, uh, my male cousins, We've all had our rite of passage weekend at this point. We're all 13 and, and older. And so we figure, well, now that our family is kind of done with it for this generation, at least, why not put it all this material that we've collected through emails, organizing back and forth? Why not put it in a book that can be a resource for other families so that they can benefit from this tradition in the same way that our family has? Mm, that's good. That's really good. I think that's one thing that the American culture does not do very well is is pass on a legacy. You know, learning to uh, to pass on some some form of culture. Um, we've we've got such a mixing pot of culture that we don't have one specific culture. You know, when I look at other, um, you know, uh, Ben and I have spent some time in Haiti and. Uh, they truly have a culture there. Like it's, it's, it's a little messed up, but it's a culture. You know, I've been to Mexico many times and they have a, a great family culture and 
um, they get together on Sundays and uh, or on the weekends. I should say it's not even on Sundays and the whole family, cousins, aunts, uncles, and everybody's there. And we don't really pass on that legacy of, um, of Christianity, much less passing over uh, manhood. And so you, you were, you were actually given an opportunity to be told that you were a man at 13 years old. What, what do you think that did for you um, later on? Yeah, I think that, you know, in hindsight, there's really two really distinct ways that it changed my life. For one, as, as I, when I was a teenager, I was always really confident in my masculine identity. And I don't mean to say that I was like immediately, you know, in this man body at 13 years old. And I was this stud of a child. What I mean by that is that anytime that another adult, whether it was a parent, another, you know, a parent of a friend or a teacher, if they ever like addressed the class and said like, boys, boys, settle down. The first thing that always came to my mind was I'm not a boy. I'm a man. Yeah. My dad told me, you know, anytime anybody ever addressed me as a boy, that was the first thought that I had in my mind was like, no. This person doesn't know, you know, I, I knew that they didn't know. I, I didn't hold it okay. against them, but that was always my, my first thought. Um, one time actually, so I did boy Scouts growing up. And one time, one of the, the parents was like, said that, ex that exact thing. They were like, boys, boys, settle down. And I spoke up. I was like, excuse me, we're not boys we're men. And the parent just rolled with it. You know, he was <laughs> like, well, young men, please settle down. You know, <laughs> um, <laughs> but so I think I was really confident in my masculine identity. I never really questioned like, when is manhood going to start? You know, like, is mm -hmm. it going to start when I get married? Is it going to start when I have my first kid? Like, when does manhood start? I think because my dad and my grandpa, like basically looked me in the eye and told me at the end of this weekend, you are a man now. Like mm -hmm. I never questioned that in my life. I think the second way that it really affected my life um, and this goes back to my faith journey was in college. Um, so during my rite of passage weekend, some of the advice that was given to me was that, you know, I am a member of this family and we love each other unconditionally. And I am a member of a tribe of men that are here to support me through the ups and downs of life. And I can talk to those guys, my dad, my grandfather, my uncles. I can talk to them um, at any point in life if I ever needed advice or if I were if I was ever going through tough times. And in college, you know, like many people, I really started to doubt my faith. I started to doubt my belief in God. You know, I was meeting a lot of new people, uh, a lot of new ideas. I wasn't surrounded by my family anymore, so I didn't have that, you know, family network. Right. Um, I was on my own. And I really wasn't sure if I, I wasn't sure how my parents would react if I told them, you know, I don't know if I believe in God anymore. I'm really struggling with this. So I was really hesitant to talk to them, but I also knew that I couldn't go through this alone and I needed to seek counsel. And it was that rite of passage weekend where my dad and my grandfather said, you can talk to us about anything. We will love you unconditionally and we have your best interest at heart. It was those words that was were spoken at my rite of passage weekend that gave me the confidence to go back to my dad and my grandfather 
and just tell them, you know, I'm really struggling. I'm not sure if I believe in God, but tell me like, why do you believe in God? You know, tell me more about your, like, why do you believe, you know? And they were able to share more about their faith journey. You know, I was, the light bulb had kind of clicked, clicked at that moment. Like I was actually interested now, you know, because I felt like I needed their support. I wasn't just a, a bratty little kid, you know, that felt like he knew everything. I was really humbled. Um, and they weren't able to answer all of my questions, but they were able to get me back on the path, you know? So, uh, the second part of my answer is that I'm not sure that I would be practicing my faith today if it wasn't for this weekend. Mm. Wow. That's pretty stout. Yeah. Did you, Stephen, did you go through a, a period where I know you were questioning God, but we, you know, we talked to a lot of guys that, uh, um, they, they came on to the faith from childhood. It's all they ever knew. And then there's this period of life where they have to find their Jesus, not their parents, Jesus, right? We, we believe a lot of people, we don't, I'm not, I'm not saying everybody goes through that, but a, a good number of, I mean, I'm 51, Jody's like 61. So <laughs> we, we, we meet a lot of men that are older and, and talk to a lot of men or older that always have this testimony or this story where they transition from, they, they might not have fallen away or done all kinds of bad things, but there's this transition where they go from the Jesus that they were taught and grew up with and to, to their own personal Jesus. What, what was that? Was there a journey of that for you? Was that part of this journey in college or talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I would say so. I think that's an accurate way of describing my own journey. There was an element of that. Um, You know, I think that any kid who's raised in the church, you know, they primarily experience their relationship with the Lord through their parents. You know, that's Mm -hmm. just the nature of it is that you're you're under their household. You know, they're they're the ones literally driving you to church, right? And it was in college that it was like, well, I literally have to get in the car and drive myself to church. You know, I was in the driver's seat all of a sudden. And so I think there was an element of having to um, develop my own relationship with Jesus instead of having my relationship with Jesus through my parents. Uh, I do think it was kind of part of the process of becoming a man for me, you know, was leaving the faith of my childhood behind. Not that there was anything wrong with it. I was a kid, you know, and then walking into, stepping into this more mature, this more beautiful relationship with Jesus as a man now. Yeah. And then real quick, back to the, uh, back to the rite of passage weekend. So you go, your grandfather, your uncles, your dad, they tell you you're a man. What, what, um, what responsibilities and things did they expect from you from that point on? So I'm sure if they're telling you you're a man, it's not just, Hey, you're a man. You can talk to us. There's gotta be a, like, and it's probably in the book. You don't have to go into all the details, but I'm, I'm assuming that there are things now that are expecting of you that responsibilities that are given to you that, that help to grow you from hearing that to, to actually being a man. Yeah. That's yeah. Um, you know, becoming a man, just because my dad told me I was a man at 13, he didn't like kick me out of the house and say, I got to get a job and 
you know, get an apartment by myself. I, he didn't, I wasn't an adult, right? I wasn't a legal adult. I was still a 13 year old. Um, I mean, he did hold me to a higher standard, I would say, after uh, my rite of passage weekend. And, you know, he, he could refer back to the weekend whenever we talked about like additional responsibility, like, well, now you have to mow the lawn instead of, I'm not going to mow the lawn anymore. You have to mow the lawn. And it's right. like, well, why? because you're a man now and you need to learn how to mow the lawn so that when you have a family of your own and a house of your own, you can take care of it. Right. So he was able to kind of contextualize like why the additional responsibility was actually a good thing. That's yeah, good. That's good. That's good. I, I would say another way, another really cool thing uh, after a rite of passage weekend in my family was, you know, we have a pretty big extended family network. Um, so when we gathered for holidays, like Thanksgiving or Easter, there were always two tables. There was the adults table and the kids table. And after your rite of passage weekend, you were officially considered to be a man. So you could officially sit at the adult table and engage in adult conversation instead of just sitting at the kids table. So that's gotta be the best part of it all. Yeah, right. that was really cool. Like yeah, exactly. cool. Right. passage right there. That that was a big ride of yeah. passage, whether you went through a weekend yeah. or not. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. So in this in this weekend, um, you know, we've done a, a couple things like that and we tried to raise our kids um that way. It was one of those as I was growing in my faith, my kids were too. I just had my kids and I just come to to know the Lord. Um, and I kind of grew trying to figure out what it was to, to raise my children, you know, not only learn myself, but also raise my children. And, um, you know, one of the things that I studied quite a bit was the bar mitzvah, uh, the Jewish tradition of, you know, manhood and womanhood. Um, that's a, and I love that tradition because what it does is it basically takes the, the young man and the, the father says, you're no longer under my rule. You're under God's rule. And he's, he's saying that, you know, it was good while you were under my rule, but now you've got to be under God's rule and you're responsible for all your decisions and, and the things that you do from here on out. And I love that tradition and, you know, trying to raise, you know, children in this world today is, uh, is, it's, it's tough. Like they're, you know, like you, as soon as you got to college, you know, all of a sudden the world came at you 900 miles and now you got out of your Christian bubble. And the next thing you know, here you are in college and you've got a million ideas. My kids that are 11 years old, I've got twin 11 year olds right now. They're being inundated through social media, through school systems, through everything to discourage them in their faith and, and all of that. And that's, you know, one of the things I want to do with their, their boy, girl twins. And, you know, I want to, with both of them, I want them to understand who they are and whom's they are, uh, to make sure that they, uh, try to, to get a, a better grip than, than what I probably taught my first two kids. Um, we did a pretty good job with those two, but you know, it wasn't instilled in them that today's you're a, you're a man. And I've tried to raise a man and a woman and, uh, they're both uh, 20 and 21. My daughter's married now, but you can just see that uh, we raised them correctly. They, but there, that moment, like Ben was saying a while ago, the moment that they had to figure out who Jesus was to them, it was just, a, it was a little bit different than, 
mom and dad's Jesus. It was a little bit different than, you know, and, and they're going through that path that you went through while you were in college. And, um, I hope we kept them grounded enough. So that path doesn't veer off too far and they come right back. And so, uh, I think those weekends, you know, I did a lot of father son weekends with my oldest son, a lot of father daughter weekends, uh, to just get them away, just me and them. And mama did the same thing. And I know that, you know, in the future, they're going to look back and go, those were pivotal times in my life. But right now they aren't. And, um, you know, yeah, I shouldn't say that they aren't, uh, but they, they don't know, admit it. They, yeah. They don't admit it. There right. you go. That's a good point. That's a good point. They don't admit it. So I really like the idea of, of a weekend like this to take your 13 year old. That's a great time. It's a, it's, you know, you're out of the, the tweens now you're in the teens kind of deal. And, um, you look back on, in culture too, we never had up until, I think it was less than a hundred years that we had the division of, um, children, preteen, teenager, young adult, like we didn't used to have those divisions. It was child, man, woman, like there was no teenager. There was no, you know, back in the teen, yeah, preteen and all that kind of stuff. And, Back in the old days, um, you literally at 13 years old, you were either getting married or going to work or, you know, doing something a lot more than what the kids are doing now today. And so we're raising my point saying all that is we're raising our children now that are younger, uh, longer, and uh, it's affecting them later on down the road because we don't have that responsibility. We're not giving them that responsibility to understand what being a man and a woman um uh, is, you yeah. know, and we're not teaching them that correctly. So, yeah. Cause so Steven, I come from the exact opposite of what you come. I come from a good family. Uh-huh. My parents were married for 40 something years before my dad died in 2009, but my, and, and we, I knew of God, but we didn't go to church. Both my parents in the eighties were career people. So my mom was, you know, in the 1980s was making 70, $80,000 a year when a lot of women didn't even work. So God was like a sidebar. We went to Sunday vacation Bible school at the Baptist church. Long story short, my dad was, um, he, he was not uh, very active in my life. He, when I was like 12, 11, 12, he became a truck driver. I don't remember my dad sitting me down and like giving me real wisdom. There was correction. But there really wasn't any wisdom behind it. And I, it left me being uh, a boy for a long time, still to this day, and in, in some cases in my life. So I think what you did and what your dad did is, I mean, obviously, you know, it's a blessing, but I'm, I'm confirming that it's just a huge blessing. And I, I think we make a mistake in the church sometimes when we separate the kids all the time. I know, I don't mean you don't have like our eye kids or things like that. But the 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 sons that I see in the church, that they're not perfect, but that, I don't know, there's a little bit more wisdom there. There's a little bit more dutifulness. There's a little bit more obedience are the ones whose dads are hanging around them all the time, bringing them everywhere, this, that, and the other. So I think what your dad did was just amazing. Yeah, I totally agree. You know, the, the role of father is so important, you know, and I think that that's one reason why the country is kind of going the way that it's going is because of the rise of fatherlessness, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the divorce rate and the number of kids that are being raised without a dad in the home or even a dad who's engaged, right? I mean, there's so many distractions nowadays with 
the internet and smartphones that it's like there's a lot of dads that are in the house but they're not emotionally in the house they're not really connecting with their kids that's right yeah it's 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 important to affirm your children it's important to delight in what they delight in you know that doesn't mean you you delight in stupid things there's things that you're not going to let your children do but you know, there's, there's great power uh, in the things that my dad did. I don't remember my dad sitting me down and saying, you know, you're, you know, you're strong, you're, you're smart, uh, you're this, that, and the other, that all, some of that stuff may have been true, but it's, I didn't hear it from my dad. So as I grew up, my relationship with God was kind of the same, a little bit distant kind, you know, he, my dad really connected when he was correcting us. So there was always this waiting for God to hit me with a baseball bat when I rounded the corner, even though my dad didn't abuse me. But when my dad was really engaged, it was normally because he was home and he was correcting us because we were acting a fool while we, you know, while my mom was watching us. So that, you know, I, I really do believe if you want your son to have a good relationship with God, you've got to mirror God to a degree in their life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And many times, um, young men and women, the way that they view God is the way that he views their father. You know, if they have a heavy, heavy handed father, yeah. you know, growing up, every time you sin, you think, Oh crap, here come, you know, I'm getting ready to get smacked by God. And, He's going to do this. Or if you have a, a parent that never engaged, you know, now you're, you're looking at God, like I can do whatever I want to. And it's not going to be that big of a deal. Um, we have to get a, a better view of God a lot of times. And as we grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus, he gives us that view. And it is that he is a holy and righteous God. And we need to, we need to understand that and live in that as much as possible, as well as teaching our, our kids to do that. And, and, you know, it takes, it takes wisdom. You know, it takes a lot of years to, to get to that place to where you finally do that. But the catalyst though, is, is really like you're saying is that 13, 14 year old range, man, when you can just get them and you can look them in the eyeballs. Um, I have an opportunity. I, I I'm not doing it anymore, but for, uh, three, three years, I went to, uh, my son and I took, I took both my sons, but my oldest son, he and I went for two years um, and uh, we went up to the mountains and we hiked in eight miles, uh, camped at 11,500 feet up in Colorado. And then uh, we went with a, a gr- another group that um, uh, another buddy of mine who also has a men's ministry called Cave Town. His name is Jeff Foth. And he's been doing this his whole life. His father took him up there and he's taken his sons up there. And then he started taking another young men to disciple them. And, and we started tagging along as well. And they have this moment where at the, uh, at the end of the week, uh, they gather everybody together and they have, it's called the affirmation circle. And we literally just sit around the circle and we, you know, um, let's say it's my turn and they'll, he'll say, close your eyes. And, you know, he'll say three guys who want to affirm Jody and, you know, hands will go up. And so they literally for the next, you know, four or five minutes will affirm you in, you know, who you are in God and um, what you mean to him and what you mean to everybody there. And the cool thing about it was that, you know, you get to do this with your sons as well. It's not just the group of guys, but so my sons are up there and, you know, I get to affirm him. And then later on I get, he gets to affirm me. And it's just, man, this bonding moment that uh, nobody will ever be able to take away from me. I got to do that with my youngest son as well. Um, he went up last year and 
Um, I think this will be my last year to go because I got so sick. I, I get altitude sickness every time I go, and I've been trying to tough it out, but I, I think I'm done because they almost had to take me out on the helicopter last year. But it's well, it's go ahead, go ahead, Jody. Steve. You were saying that you're gonna you're gonna remember that, and no one can take it away from you. I can tell you that your kids will remember that for the rest of their lives, and no one right. can take it away from them too. That's one of those experiences that will always stick with them. So I want to mm, give you a pat on the back. Good job, Dad. Thanks. Yeah, you see Thank when, you, Steve, when you're that it. age, they will start to they yeah. will start to gosh, I wish my kids are right now they're that, just think they're cooler than school, right? <laughs> That's yeah, so they true. will. Yeah, how, Jody, how old did you say your kids were? 20 and 21? So I have a 21-year-old daughter who just got married this May, and then I've got a 20-year-old son uh, yeah. who graduated high school last year and he took the year off and um, you know, just trying to figure out life. And, uh, and then I got a 12 year old or 11 year old twins that are boy, girl twins. And, uh, so, yeah. But so I'm 31. So okay. in 10 years, it'll click for them and they will be so grateful that you're their dads. I'll tell you what it was for me. For me, a big part of it was becoming a dad myself. Yeah. That first week of ha taking care of my daughter and how much work it was and how right. just it, it, it takes all of you, you know? Right. That it was like, I looked at my wife, I was like, honey, we need to send our, our mom's flowers right now. <laughs> yeah. You yeah, become so appreciative them, like, when you yeah. become a parent yourself. That's true. I mean, it is. Like, yeah. That's when you realize, I mean, I've told my mom a hundred times, I don't know how you dealt with me. <laughs> and now we've got three grandkids, eight, five, and four. And my wife watches them five days a week. Two of them now are in school. So it's, it's just Bubba. His name is Miles, but we call him Bubba. And I'm telling you right now, I spend four hours with him and I look at my wife. I'm like, I can't believe you do this. Yeah. But Ray killed this kid. Yeah. It's tough. It is tough. Parent, you know? It is tough. I think that's the great thing about God lets us do it while we're young and stupid. You know, you yeah. don't realize how hard it is. But I'm 53 now, not 61. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, and it's, it's harder. Um, it is definitely harder. I've got, you know, I've got 12 year olds. Like I was just the other day. So I take, I take my son to his football game and dude, he's the freak of nature. Yeah, and so my, my son is uh, the shortest kid on the team. He's the one of the fastest kids on the team and he hits harder than anybody else on the football field. And so, you know, I'm all excited about the football game. I'm getting there and uh, you know, I'm the oldest dad, you know, by, I, I like, look, I look like the granddad as a matter of fact. And uh, you know, my son's out there and I'm watching all these parents that are, you know, in their late twenties, early thirties. And, you know, they're all just, it, it's just, it's just weird. Like I, I can't imagine being back in that spot, you know, watching them and, um, you know, I'm watching Paul out there play and he's, you know, every time he does something, he, he got the, this is no lie. He got the ball six times and scored four times. Yeah. Like it was he's just, a, he's a running, yeah, he's running back and he, it was so cute, man. It was just, it was awesome to watch him do that. And then he got three tackles on defense and, um, you know, I was trying not to, like, I wanted to, football is my game and I love football and I was just wanted to scream and yell at him and yell for him and all this, but it was so it was so good, but I'm just an, I'm an old dad now. Like, it's kind of, you know, it's kind of weird. And, um, you know, my daughter's a, a freak in soccer. She's got, you know, she scores just about every goal and I'm, I'm wanting to scream and yell and all these parents, like they don't yell at football games. I'm like, come on, let's get, let's yeah. get excited. So, but it's, 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 uh, it's a privilege and it's a gift, you know, to your children are a gift and we got to treat it as such. And, um, it's, it's been a beautiful, 
beautiful run for us. My wife and I are blessed to have the four kids that we have. God gave them to us specifically. They're all adopted. And, um, you know, we got the first two, we got Evie and Gabe uh, at birth and their brother and sisters. It's a whole nother story. And then, you know, out of the blue, we got Paul and Addie and um, uh, they, we, we got them at 16 months. And it's just been uh, been an awesome blessing for us just to, to raise them and watch them grow and uh, try to try to lead them to the Lord as much as possible. And that's, you know, with the world. And I think that's, you know, it's something special that when you have, uh, you know, parents in general, you know, but a, specifically a dad. And that's that's really why how man up God's way started, because when I first gave my life to the Lord in 2003, I was an atheist prior to that. I didn't want to believe in God, didn't believe in God, didn't go to church, didn't want somebody telling me what I could and could not do. As a matter of fact, I liked my sin um, quite a bit. I mean, it was fun uh, until I realized what I was doing and why I was doing it. I gave my life to the Lord. And then it was one of those those moments where um, I have kids and I realized the responsibility that, you know, God has given me, not only my wife, uh, he started working on my marriage more than anything. That was the first thing that he really started working on because at that time I was not, I, I did not support my wife. I did not, um, I wasn't the head of the household, the spiritual head of the household, much less, I didn't even help in the house. So I think the only thing I did well was keep the yard mode. That was it. And nothing else I did. I didn't, didn't take care, you know, um, lied to her all the time. And then finally God taught me what it meant to be a man of God, number one, and then a husband, um, to love my wife as Christ loved the church. And then from there, what was really cool is that we both became really good parents um, because we were now in tune, we were unified, we were on the same page and allow us to, to raise our children where we're both, you know, we're, we're not going against each other, we're going with each other and not against the grain and going with God. And it changed, it changed our life the moment that we started focusing on God first uh, through his son in the power of the Holy spirit to allow us to, to do what we're doing, uh, even today, you know, seven, uh, 18 years later, we're, we've got a, a international men's ministry and Ben's involved in that. And we go to Haiti and the children go to that. And, um, man, God is just, God is faithful when uh, you put him first. And that's what we're praying for our children as well. So it's cool to see that you, um, give, give props to your dad and uh, your parents for what they did, uh, did back then. Cause in college, to be honest, it could have, it could have gone the other direction. If you hadn't have remembered, man, I can go talk to them. That's yeah, cool. A hundred percent. It definitely could have. I mean, hindsight's 2020. It's hard to say what would have happened otherwise, but it definitely could have gone the other way. Absolutely. Wow. So, so what, what do you think was, uh, what were people telling you? What was the school telling you? What were your professors telling you that made you even question God? Um, you know, for me, it was, I stopped going to church because I didn't have my family there anymore. Right. Like right. I had always gone to church with my family. That was my support network. I sat with them in the pew. And then all of a sudden it was my responsibility to get myself to church. Mm. And after a while, it was kind of just apathy. You know, it wasn't that I had any issues with it. It was just kind of like, well, this is kind of boring and I'm not really engaged, you know? Um, so I stopped going to church and then it was like, now I'm making friends who don't believe in God and they're not leading, 
they're not bad people, but they're not leading me closer to God. That's for sure. Um, mm -hmm. And then I, it was just kind of, uh, it all just came to a head. Um, and I, I think it was just that weight of in the back of my mind, you know, what would my parents ever think if I, if they found out, you know, I never, I didn't, at first I didn't talk to them about it. You know, I just kind of kept it to myself and it was kind of this secret. And eventually it just got to the point where it was like, I don't want to keep this a secret anymore. I want to talk about this. I want to work through this. You know, I want to find out what is truth, you know? Right. And then it's like, well, once you get to that point where now you're engaged and you're caring, you're asking questions, you know, then it was like, I looked at faith with a whole new set of eyes. It was like, wow, Jesus is the truth. Like mm -hmm. that is, that's pretty amazing, you know? Um, and Jesus is God and he is, he has paid the price for our sins so that we can go to heaven. Like that's the purpose of life right there, right? The purpose of life, this life is so temporary, you know? I mean, we're here on, right. we're here on earth for a hundred years if we're lucky, but we're, you know, the next life is eternal, you know? Amen. And so really the only thing that matters in this life is that you spend eternity with God in the next life and that those around you spend eternity with God as well. You know, mm. that's really all that matters. And I think it was coming to that realization and just kind of wrestling with it, kind of wrestling with God for three to six months and kind of getting my grandfather and getting my dad involved and having them support me through that wrestling match. It was like, um, it was, it was just a beautiful time in my life. It was hard. You know, it was a hard time in my life emotionally it was tough spiritually it was tough it was like i had to go out and i had to make all new friends i had to put my tail between my legs and go back to church and all these people are like oh we we haven't seen you in a year where have you been you know well <laughs> let me tell you like you know i've really been wrestling with things what a journey yeah yeah it was a total journey and i think you know um catholics don't sing a lot you know we we there's music in mass but not a lot of catholics sing it's like just the the choir that sings right i don't to be honest i couldn't tell you why that is but my dad never sung so i never sung in mass but then it was like when i had kind of my reversion like i wanted to sing you know i was singing every song mm -hmm. during church because it's like uh singing is two times prayer you know mm -hmm. like singing itself is a prayer in itself it's a powerful form of prayer of of worship you know and mm -hmm. so i think that was one way that was like the light bulb really clicked you know and it, it, i took my faith on for myself and like i like to say you know i had the faith of a boy and then when i had that reversion now i have the faith of a man yeah i mean we mm. we we said it earlier we said again we we find that talking to all these all these men that we talk to, we find that there is this moment in a, in a man's life where if he grew up with God as a child, there is some type of decision, some type of light mm -hmm. switch that goes off in adulthood where he chooses his own Jesus. Right. It's, it, it, we see it over and over and over again. And that's exactly what he's describing. Right. That's true. You know what I'm saying yeah. there's I'm, I'm, I'm studying, I'm studying suffering uh, right now. Um, the next talk that I do, whenever that may be, I don't know when it'll be, it's going to be on suffering. And, um, 
what what I what I believe I'm learning is you know it's it's easy to ask God why suffering. Mm-hmm. Like God could take all the evil in the world away tomorrow, right? Um, I'm looking for something real quick, Stephen. Sorry for the odd pause. I've got it right here. Um, Isaiah 45, 7. I'll read the New King James Version. says, I form the light and create darkness. I make peace and I create calamity. Some of it's the King James says, and I create evil, right? Other versions say, um, I send good times and I send bad times. God's the author. God's not the author of evil, but he uses it, right? And so God could take away all evil in the world. My, My point is, I believe the reason, because a Christian can be asked, well, why does a, why does a holy, righteous, good God allow people to go through suffering. This is a, a question that a non-believer can ask a Christian really stump you. Mm-hmm. And I believe my answer is because he wants willing love and willing obedience. It's funny. Right? I just, I just preached on it this Sunday, willing love. And I didn't listen to your sermon, yeah. right? I wasn't here because yeah. of the death in the family, willing love and willing obedience is what God wants. It's, yeah. it's the reason why he gives us the freedom that he gives us. Right. Because he's betting on himself, right? That we're going to willingly love and be obedient to him. Mm-hmm. Though he were a son, capital S, he learned obedience by that which he suffered. The book of Hebrews. Can't remember mm-hmm. what chapter, right? That's good. So mm-hmm. he, it's never for our bad, but but you're, you're going to come to every young boy, every woman is going to come to a point in their life where as an adult or as a, a person in their, let's say, in their right mind of their own will, they say yes to Jesus Christ, right? That's I good. believe that. That's true. That's good stuff. I literally, this Sunday, I was preaching in Acts chapter 12. I'm going verse by verse through Acts. And, um, you know, in the same chapter, James gets killed. Herod Herod kills James, but frees Peter, you know, and it's kind of like, you know, why would James get killed and Peter not get killed? And so I explain that through, through that as well. And a lot of times it is suffering, you know, the, if we learn as Christians, how to suffer, um, in, in God, uh, it draws us closer to him and learning to have joy, no matter what trials or tribulations are going in your life, uh, that only brings people closer to God as well, because they're like, well, how could you, you know, how, what are you thinking? How could you do that? How can you still praise God? Like, because you know, in the end, it's like Stephen was saying in the end, eternity is going to be with him. And no yeah. matter what happens now, uh, it's, it's not worth losing your salvation or your faith over, um, and in a lot in light of eternity. Yeah. Other, other than the story of Jesus, my favorite story in the Bible is the, is the story of Joseph in Genesis. And at the end of his story, when he's forgiving his brothers, he says, what you meant for evil, God meant it for good. That is a very important it. What is the it being thrown into a well? Mm-hmm. being sold into slavery, being uh, falsely accused by Potiphar's wife. But God, but the end game for God was to promote him to the second highest position in Egypt. Right. His brother's end game was to kill him or, or just, just to get be rid, rid of him. Right. right? Exactly. And yeah. so 
God, God put him through all that for what? Willing love and obedience. He never cursed God. Joseph never said, why is this happening to me? He just kept being faithful, doing the right, right. thing and moving forward. And he saved his people and he forgave his brothers. Amen. You know, but yep. so when we're, this, this is why God's whole play, he could have ended the devil before he even formed the garden. Right. Right. Yep. He didn't. Why? Willing plan. love and yeah. obedience. Yeah. Right. So his, we would learn what love is. His plan and his purpose isn't necessarily ours to see now. And whether we care when we get to heaven or not, we may not ever know. Yeah. You know, um, and we just got to rely and trust in that, especially, you know, Stephen, like if you were if you were a young man today or, or let me ask you this, what would you um, advise a young man today if he's in that moment of of doubt or, you know, fighting the the world and the, the noise that's coming at them. And maybe they don't have a dad uh, or a granddad as stout as yours that would, you know, come alongside of them to give them that, what would you advise them to do um, in their, in their moment of doubt or in their moment of fear or uh, the moment of walking away? What would you, what advice would you give to them? I would say number one is start praying. Um, pray to the Lord say, Lord, I don't know, you know, I'm, I'm having doubts, I'm having struggles, please give me the strength to help me. I think that the first thing is to have an honest prayer with God, mm. and, and start that conversation with him. And then the second thing I would say is, find a godly man who you respect, who can answer your tough questions, who can help you through this, you don't want to go alone. Um, maybe you don't have a dad and a grandfather like I do, but you can find someone at your, your local church, um, through your family, through your friends, God, God puts people in our lives for, for a reason. And so I think that you can find someone if you work hard enough for it. Mm, that's good. That's good advice there. Yeah. What statistics are showing that, um, 86% of the kids that are leaving the, are leaving the faith at the age of 18 and never to return. And so, the church is only keeping about 14% of the young men uh, and young women in the church today. And uh, parents need to do a better job in making sure that they are grounding them to their best of their ability. Again, once they turn 18, you, you, you got to just pray that God is going to um, keep them on that path to guide them and direct them to the, to, to their best ability. And, man, just get them out of that, that rut. Sometimes, you know, I can see the world just trying to come a hundred miles an hour, at both of my older kids. And there's so much I want to do and so much I want to say, but I just, you know, I just can't, you know, I can give them advice, but they still got to make the decisions. And I just pray one day that, um, you know, that it clicks and, you know, they haven't walked away. Don't get me wrong. Like, no, I know what you're you know saying. What I'm saying. Like yeah. they, they haven't walked away by any means. Um, but I, I see them just, you know, it's just the little stuff. They, they're a million times better kids than I was at 20 years old. Yeah. Like I had to go to the military. I was so bad. So, um, 
uh, it, I love them to death. It just, I, I want them, you know, my problem is I want them right next to me at church. I want them getting involved in our ministries and all of that kind of stuff. And they're just trying to flesh things out. So, yeah, I mean, but, the, the, you know, I've got to, I've, I've got, I was married when I was really young. I was married from the time I was 19 to 23, Stephen. And then I was single for about 19, 20 years. And then I met my wife about eight years ago. We've been married six years. So I've, I've stepchildren. And I've got two that are still in the house. One that's 18, just graduated from high school. She works, she's doing well. And I've got a 17-year-old stepson who's about to be 18. He's in his senior year of high school. And they've both given their lives to the Lord openly. Carter, you know, he's 17. He spends half the time with us. He spends half the time with his dad. He, he started to get to where he didn't want to come to church on Sundays. Sometimes you just got to let go. Yeah. I don't force him. Guess right. what he's doing? Now he's going to another church with his grandmother. Right. Right. You have mm -hmm. to trust the Lord. That doesn't mean that you don't, you know, try to talk sense into him or try. But what I had to learn to do, right. especially because they were my stepkids, is is not to try to be so controlling. I just right. look at them sometimes and tell them, listen, you gave your life to the Lord. Now, understand this. You don't just get to run off. Right. Right. You don't get to do that. Ask Jonah. <clears throat> yeah. Right. <laughs> your belly of the whale will come. You don't right. get to take the Lord's spirit. And then just go do whatever you want to do. Now, I used to go way farther than that. Now I don't. I just watch them, give them guidance, talk to them. Stacy does more of it than I do because she's their mother. Right. You know, we have a good relationship, but I'm not their dad. They have a dad that they love dearly. Um, and so you you just, I, 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 their Lord's spirit is in them. Mm -hmm. God's got them. Amen. Right. Yeah, He's going to use me to give them some lessons. If I see something, you know, I give them advice, but I'm not going to try to control right. their relationship with God, because I guarantee you to this point, they have a better relationship with God than I did. Some <laughs> yeah, days. exactly. Right. It's a good point. You know, I've been fighting, kicking, screaming, arguing right. with God almost my whole walk. I didn't have that Paul salvation. Right. Right. So it's they, they're doing better than I was at their age. That's but good. yeah, you've just got to, you've got to, you, you give them all the wisdom that you can. And at some point, like, like uh, you said earlier, you turn them over to God mm -hmm. and God will get them. He's not a failure. He doesn't lose right. the people that he gets. Amen. Right. That's good. That's good. So yesterday we had a church picnic and um, they had a, uh, a, they were doing a fundraiser for, we've got this new ministry called sparks ministry and it's for disabled children. Um, you know, we're trying to build a room and pad it up and all this kind of stuff. And, uh, they did this fundraiser where it's a pie in the pastor's face kind of deal. It was five bucks for a pie in the pastor's face. And so I'm sitting down and my son, 12 years old or 11 years old, walks up, he's got his pie and he, he walks up and he goes, I need to tell you a secret dad. And I was like, okay. And he walks up and he goes, this is going to be for grounding me. And then all of a sudden he just smacks the pie in my face. I was like, you little dirt. You just got grounded again for yeah. two weeks. That's what you get. <laughs> They're little sinners is what they yeah. are. you know, little punks, but yeah. Steven, so um, you, you have uh, children now and you said that, you know, one of the things I thought, I thought was, uh, was really cool that you saw all the cousins, everybody's growing up now. Um, now the grandchildren are coming. Uh, are, are you the first to have a grandchild or is there others that have grandchildren within the family? Yeah, within the family, I'm the first to have grandchildren. So 
my daughter Claire is three years old, so it'll be 10 years um, until she turns 13 and has a rite of passage for herself. We wrote the book, you know, primarily with the the father and the boy in mind, you know, right. helping your boy make the transition to manhood. Um, but our family did hold rite of passage weekends for the girls as well. So right. boys and girls got a weekend. We just, you know, because I've never been on a female rite of passage and my dad hasn't either. We didn't feel like we were the right people to write that book. Okay. Well, that's good. But my, I guess my question is, is do you foresee, um, you know, assuming God, you know, keeps your dad here on earth and, um, you know, maybe passing that on, you know, with, you know, allowing him to, to be involved in that process, you know, when you guys do a weekend or. Oh uh, yeah, for you, sure. A hundred percent. Yeah. So you, you I mean, my son Joe is one, going. so it'll be 12 years until the next one. Um, but I have some, some friends who have kids that are older than my kids. Um, mm -hmm. and I've told them about this weekend and what my dad did for me. And they were, you know, they're like, wow, that's amazing. You know, anytime I tell people about this rite of passage weekend, um, there's, there's two reactions. The first reaction is, oh man, I wish my dad did something like that for me. That's the first reaction. The second reaction is I'm going to do this for my kid. You know, yeah. I'm going to yeah. do some sort of rite of passage. It doesn't have to be exactly our family's rite of passage, right? right. You can put your own family, um, your own family traditions into it. Uh, but what's most important is that I think what's most important is that fathers tell their sons, in my eyes, you are no longer a boy, but you are a man. Amen. And if every father in this country told their sons that at the appropriate age, then we wouldn't have boys. We wouldn't have young men who are acting like boys trying to prove their manhood to themselves. That's right. 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 So if you look at the sexual conquest of women, pornography, uh, video games, video game addictions, you know, you can slay a dragon in a video game. Like, <laughs> right. It all plays into the the male spirit, right? That proving yourself as a man. Right. I slayed a dragon. Or if it's violence, you know, getting into fights, I'm a tougher dude than the guy next to me. Therefore, I'm a man. Right. Um, these are all ways that boys are trying to to prove to themselves and to their peers that they're men. Right. But if a father just steps in and says, Hey son, you are a man, you know, just by his words, you know, then the boy doesn't feel that need to prove it to himself. So I think that's really what this weekend comes down to is bestowing the title of man on a boy so that he doesn't have to prove it to himself. Yeah. Mm, that's it's affirmation yeah, it is. for this. This is my son for who I am. Well, pleased. He affirmed him. Mm -hmm. This is my son for who I'm well, pleased. listen to him mm -hmm. when they were on the Mount of mm -hmm. the Mount of configuration mm -hmm. or whatever it was mm -hmm. that he, he affirmed his son. Yeah. Right. That's good. It's good stuff. Yeah. Good I like stuff. it. Yeah. So it's really good. Yeah. You I know, think you become, real quick, just because I live through it, it, it leads to things like people pleasing, mm -hmm. looking for the applause of others. Uh, all these things that God doesn't want us to do on a, a, a son that is not affirmed. will look for all that people mm -hmm. get into gangs. Yep. You know, we talked about the, 
you know, what he's doing. It's, if you, if you see it, we love being part of teams mm-hmm. or a group of men, right. you know, this, that, or the other, if we don't get it in the right way, we're going to look forward in the wrong way. Right. Gangs. And you know, the, 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 the crowd that we don't, that our parents don't want us hanging right. out with because it makes us feel cool. And you know, the, all the pride That's that true. comes with it. That's my story, bro. Right. You just, That's you true. just heard it a few weeks ago. Yeah. It's my whole story was, was goes back to my dad uh, being a good man, not being a bad dad, but just not doing the things that a young boy, two young boys needed uh, to go into manhood. And it, and it, and it stunted our growth big time. Mm -hmm. You know, you see glimpses of it to this day. You're my pastor. (laughs) I still, you know, I still please, I still want you to tell me that, yeah, you did a good job and I shouldn't want that. Right. It's fine. If I get it, let other people praise you. That's fine. But it's, it's, it's the, it's the wanting of it or the way that it makes you feel. All I should worry about is whether God's God's pleased. pleased, Right. But anyway, And that's yep. true. That's that that is a that is a childhood um, traumatic issue. Yeah. You know, I mean, a lot of times when you do that, I, I remember uh, you t- speaking of affirmation. Uh, my dad was teaching me to drive. <clears throat> I was probably 11, 12 years old and I was driving. You know, I lived in the backwoods of Kentucky and you could take the gravel roads for miles and never see another car. And I was driving down the road. And to this day, I still remember it. I was driving and he's sitting in the passenger side and I kind of get off on the edge, you know, just enough in the grass to, you know, look back in the rearview mirror and see the dust come up and, you know, the grass come up and I slowly got it back on the road. And he's like, man, you did a good job there. Cause most everybody jerks it real tight. And he's like, you can't do that on a gravel road. And I just, I remember that to this day, you know, it was like that affirmation that you did a good job. And Every time I would play football, um, he always gave me 20 bucks after the game, you know, like, Hey, 20, good job, man. Yeah. You did great. You know, kind of deals. So, yeah. My, my grandson I, miles, I mean, I've made a concerted effort to speak life into him. Right. right. So he'll be, he'll be doing something and it, he could just jump in the pool and it's just nothing. He just jumps in the shallow end of the pool. And I'm like, man, I'm so proud of you, Bubba. You did a good job. And now he'll be riding his bike and he'll do a trick. And he's like, are you so proud of me, Papa? Because I affirm him right right? now. Trust me, I get on him too, but I've made a concerted effort to not make the same mistakes that I did with my adult children and that my dad did with me in his life. Uh, Yeah, Yeah, exactly. That's good, dude. All right. Well, Stephen, um, why don't you tell us a little bit about the book, your your website, uh, let everybody on the audience know uh, where they can get your book. And um, hopefully everybody will grab that. Go ahead and tell us where we can get that. Sure. Um, the book is available on Amazon. Uh, you just type in Milestone to Manhood in the search bar, or you can buy it on our website, which is milestonetomanhood.com. Okay. And we will put that in the show notes as well. And uh, all of our social media platforms as well will help you advertise that. Uh, I did skim through the book. Uh, I just got it like late last week and uh, tried to run through it as fast as possible for that. I'm going to, I'm going to peel through it and see how much stuff I can uh, glean from it. I appreciate that. Looks like Paul's got a bright Apache. He's got a right Apache coming, coming up. Yes, he does. I, I'll probably take them both, you know, both Addy and, um, Addie and Paul and do a rite of passage. Stephen, what else? What else are are you working on? Anything else? What what else you got going on? 
that's pretty much it. Just, uh, you know, getting the word out about the book, um, you know, with two young kids in the house and a full-time job like you, Ben, you know, yeah. it's like, I'm kind of at my limits, but just getting the word out about the book and helping other fathers and other families organize rite of passages for their sons. Um, and just trying to spread the, the family tradition so that other boys can get an experience like this growing up. Yeah, well, I think if it's the only book you ever wrote, it's 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 going to be life changing for mm -hmm. some people. And I hope people, I hope uh, parents buy it. I hope uh, if there's younger people here that have, are are listening, that they tell their dads they wanted. And uh, I think it's a great thing that you're doing. I lived, like I said, I lived through the opposite testimony. And I, like you said earlier, I wish my dad would have done. Uh, more things uh, for me. It would have saved me a lot of pain and, and suffering early in my life, but uh, God got me through it. And it's just, I, th I think it's a great idea. Well, thank you. You know, my dad played a pivotal role in getting this tradition started. And he has a story like yours, Ben, where uh, his dad didn't give him that growing up. And so when he became, when he had a family of his own, he really wanted to be the dad that he felt like he didn't have, you know, um, he wanted to be a chain breaker, you know, Jody, it sounds like you are a chain breaker in your family because your parents have so many divorces, right? right um, amen. That can become a generational curse, you know, where divorce, the kids see it and then they emulate what they see in their parents. Right. And then from one generation to the next is kind of divorce after divorce you, Jody, are a chain breaker because you saw that and you're like, this is not what I want for my life and for my kids' lives, you know? And that's my father's story too. So he yeah, was a great. chain breaker and I'm blessed enough to be that next generation down and benefit from the de decisions that he made. Amen. Amen. Do you have a problem if we put this on our app as well? No, not at all. Please okay. do. Awesome. We'll, uh, we'll put a link in there for your book as well on the app. Uh, guys, we do have an app. It's called Man Up God's Way. It is a, a community app. It uh, We do ask uh, for a, a payment on that. We're charging $9.99 a month for it. it it's, a, it's an amazing app. We're really excited about it. It's got content on there. It's got videos. It's, it's, it's a little bit like Facebook without all the crap like Facebook. It gives us the opportunity to have a community on there and grow, uh, sharpen each other, like iron sharpens iron. And uh, we want to come alongside of you. And we're looking for serious men who want to grow on the grace and knowledge of Jesus. So you can get that on Apple, iTunes, as well as Google Play stores. Um, you get a three-day trial period. So if you get an opportunity, download it. Just take three days, check it out. And I promise you, you'll like it. It will be worth it. We've got some big things coming up in the future. Um, what you guys don't see is we've got now a podcast studio here uh, across the hallway. I've got a video studio going in, and we will start more content um, to be able to add to that. Be with some Bible studies, some uh, application studies, and in, in order to how to apply this to your life, stuff like this, where you know we talk about um, raising your children uh, in godly ways and teaching them to be men and women. Uh, in the Lord. And so we're really excited about that. So <clears throat> excuse me again, Stephen, um, I appreciate you being here. Uh, what a blessing. I pray that uh, when you just raise these kids, that they will end up changing the world. Congratulations on the two kids and however many more you're going to have. So I know you guys are in a hurry and we'll be praying for you and your wife and 
continue to do uh, what God has called you to do. And um, I look forward to seeing another book one of these days. Yes, Stephen, tell your uh, tell your dad that the man up guys said hi and uh, job well done. Amen. Will do. Thanks for having me, guys. All um, right, brother. God you bless. be good and have a good one. You too. God bless. God bless. <laughs> You've been listening to the Man Up God's Way podcast. Visit us on Facebook, Spotify, Apple, iTunes, and our website at manupgodsway.org.